the country with your host, Dave Woods. This is the radio show where country music gets up close and personal. Spend some time in the country and get to know our guests. Spend some time in the country where the music's the best. The latest news and memories to great stories that get told. Spend some time in the country, now it's time we start the show. Kansas native Eric Dillon joins me on the show now to talk about his upcoming album called Heart of a Flatland Boy, and we are going to hear that song on the show, plus his current single called Pink Flamingos. And man, he writes about 150 songs a year, and he's had great success with the songs, including cuts and singles from Eric Pasley, Justin Moore, the Eli Young Band, Thompson Square, Canada's own Chad Brownlee, a couple of songs, Hearts on Fire, Where the Party's At, and uh, many more. And we will talk to him about uh, songwriting and his album and a lot of other stuff. Welcome to the show, Eric. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's good to be on. Well, it's great to have you here. It's going to be so interesting to talk about all the great things you do. You're an artist. You're a songwriter uh, from Kansas, live in Nashville, so you know about uh, settling in Nashville and making the rounds and and doing all the great music stuff there. Let's start with uh, let's start with your current single. We'll get to it a bit later in the show, but Pink Flamingos. Uh, tell me a bit about the song. Uh, I, with my songs, I, I really try to, to get real with uh, kind of where I grew up in Kansas and uh, grew up in a pretty rural area. And I don't know, the, the title, I've always wanted to write a song titled Pink Flamingos. And uh, the co-writer that I wrote it with, Adam James, and I were talking about it. And we were like, what if it's pushing up Pink Flamingos, kind of the play on uh, pushing up daisies. And so we wrote a song about uh, kind of kind of a, a touchy subject but uh you know it's something that's real that happens you know and there's a guy that uh, did some bad stuff so the neighbors kind of looked the other way when he disappeared <laughs> and unfortunately <laughs> at the other end of uh the other end of his ex's uh firearm i think <laughs> you have to listen to the tune and we are going to, in fact, do that a bit later in the show. I mean, you know, it's got the the way you describe it there, of course, in the song itself. Kind of got that old Johnny Cash style as far as w- with the murder going on in the song. You don't hear that a lot these days yeah. in country music. Yeah, the uh, Goodbye Earl's about the last one that I've heard when the Dixie Chicks did that. Right. And uh, I just thought it would be a, I thought it would be a cool concept to write. And it uh, it turned out we we really modeled it after uh, kind of uh, late. Rock and roll bands like the Birds, and uh, just wanted to make it kind of a funky, interesting song to lighten up the lyric a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. Um, I really yeah really enjoyed making it. Great song. We are going to play that on the show a bit later, along with Heart of a Flatland Boy. Some new music we'll get a debut of. Um, let's. This is interesting. Let's talk about how it all started for you. Of course. Many years before this, working and, and, you know, honing your craft and all that, of course, goes into this. But the moment when you sort of got in the spotlight, back in 2011, you were at an open mic, and country artist Kip Moore, uh, Beer Money is one of my favorites of his. He's got a bunch of other great oh, yeah, songs there, too. But, yeah, he, he saw you there, heard you, and, and take the story from there, what, how Kip shaped your career at that point. I was uh, I was working for AT&T Wireless just at a, at a mall kiosk in Nashville. That's how I was paying the bills, and I was playing every open mic that I could possibly play just to try to 
to tr- find a way to get into the system, get discovered. But uh, Kip actually heard me from an outdoor speaker that was was broadcasting into the sidewalk area. So he actually didn't even come into the bar. He just heard my voice from an outdoor speaker, and uh, I guess he liked what he heard, and he uh, he came in and. I think there were maybe three people in the bar, and uh, I was related to two of them. They were watching, <laughs> so uh, he looked he looked around and at the table and thought, oh, "That looks like it's probably his wife." And uh, walked walked over to my wife Jackie and uh, gave her his info and uh, wanted me to call him the next day. And he got me a meeting with Brett James, his producer, who also owns a publishing company. And I went in for a meeting and. The ten-year overnight success began. <laughs> you work so hard just to get that uh, get that first meeting, get your foot in the door. But uh, yeah, without Kip, I, I might be still playing open mics in Nashville. I don't, I don't know if I could have held up for another what five years doing that. But I'm sure glad that he heard me. Incredible, as you said, it's all those years before any moment for for anyone, all the years leading up to that moment to be prepared to be ready and deserving of it, and that happened to you. And uh, it's incredible. And you went on to write a song with Kip and a couple others, a song called "Comeback Kid." And I was on YouTube earlier, and I saw you do a, a version of it, you singing it, and it's it's a great song. It's a great story, and and really strong lyrics in it. Yeah, that that song. Um, I'm really really proud of that song. I think we. Uh, I think we wrote it exactly the way that it should have been written. Um, and honestly, that's a lot of personal experience in that song about having a strong wife that sticks with you through thick and thin because, man, I don't know if I could have done it without her in Nashville because there's lots of, uh, there's lots of lows, uh, just doubting whether you should be, be in town writing, wondering if you're taking the right path, you know, risking everything, for the sake of the song and hoping that somebody hears it. But, uh, yeah, I really love that song. I'm really thankful that Kip, uh, decided to record that and put it on his record and spin. That was really a great thing. I was very excited when he called me and let me know that he was cutting our song. And you've got uh, a song on Justin Moore's upcoming album. I believe it's coming out in August. The album's called kind of don't care. Uh, you wrote it with Randy Montana, who's a producer on your your album that's coming out. And I was looking up the track mm-hmm. listing because uh, another artist I've interviewed recently, Tebe, uh, has a cut on there. Uh, your cut with Randy is Put Me in a Box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Randy and I wrote that a few years ago, and it had been on hold for some other artists. And actually, Justin has had that on – it's been on hold with him about a year and a half, almost two years, so – We've been just waiting and waiting for that record to come out. We were very excited to see that it made the record. Because you never know. Um, sometimes an artist will cut it, and then it doesn't end up making the record. So Randy and I were celebrating today, actually, about that. We were writing this morning. And, uh, yeah, I congratulated Tebe, too. He's a he's a buddy of mine. I love Tebe. And uh, you, you've got some Canadian strength on that record. I noticed Kelly Archer is on that. She's a Canadian. Yeah. And um, – also, Derek Rutan's on there too. I think he got he co-wrote the first track on the record. So, go Canada. Go Canada. I mean, we're going to talk more about that in a moment <laughs> and your connection with with uh, Canadians. Derek Rutan. I mean, talk about uh, those two Blake Shelton cuts he's had as singles, huge singles. Uh, of course, Massive. mine was you, or my mine would be you from a few years ago, and then came here to forget the the big hit out now. 
Yeah, he's a great rider, a great dude. Um, I'm really happy to see his success. And uh, I've heard that uh, Victoria Banks is a good buddy of mine too. And Derek was kind of a ambassador for Canadian songwriters that came down when he first moved here. She said a lot of the Canadian songwriters trying to make it in the in the business crashed on Derek's couch while they were figuring out where to land in Nashville. So I uh, I think a lot of that dude. He's uh, he deserves every ounce of success he's getting. Amazing. And uh, let's let's uh, actually talk about Victoria Banks right now, because the two of you wrote a song together called Colorblind. Uh, she had sent an email out about it uh, a while back, so I was able to check that out. And uh, and here you, you sing it, actually, at your website, uh, ericdillon.com. Uh, Colorblind, and you wrote this, um, you know, during the Ferguson riots as they were unfolding on CNN and all that time, uh, watching with your, your child, your son, and... Tell me about tell me about writing it from there. Take take us from that point to the song Colorblind. Uh, that was the night of the Ferguson uh, verdict, I believe. It was in November, I remember, and my son was about a year old, and I just saw everything that ensued and, and all the all the violence on TV. And uh, when you're looking at your child and you're already scared for what's out there for them, you, you kind of start start feeling bad for what we're leaving our our kids with wondering why we can't fix the the, all the the racial problems we've got in the states but uh so i started that song just on a napkin started writing it down um got a few lines into it and i looked on the calendar and i was writing with victoria the next day so uh went into the room and and said this is kind of where i'm at and she said i love it and we sat there and wrote it in about it, it wrote very fast, and usually you know that the song is going to be a good one when it writes that fast. If, if you're having to work to write a song, that's when you have problems. But uh, yeah, we we just we kind of we wrote it at an angle that uh, kind of wondering what uh, the guy up above thinks about what he made down here and why we just can't can't see through the color of our of our skin. So it's uh, I'm really proud of that song too. And Victoria is one of my favorite people to write with. She's class act and a great songwriter now off the top of the show uh, during the introduction i mentioned that you write about 150 songs throughout the year that's a you know that's a pretty high number of people listening going wow that's a lot of songs tell me about writing that many songs uh, you know throughout the year Uh, when i'm not on the road i always write monday tuesday wednesday thursday and i take friday off um, the schedule and usually end up booking something friday but uh, I try to write every day. Um, I honestly try to write seven days a week, even if it's even if it's just a few words or a melody, just picking up a guitar. It's it's what I love to do. So for me, it doesn't seem like that many songs unless I really analyze 150 songs on January 1st. <laughs> that seems like right. a lot, but that you uh, you just kind of get into a routine, and uh, you know some of them are good songs and i'll be honest some of them suck <laughs> you just <laughs> never know you just I, yeah. I i feel like if uh i feel like writing every day allows me to keep my pencil sharp for that one idea that comes in maybe once a month that you just realize this this is going to be cool so i right. i feel like that it's a it's a really fun job and i i don't even consider it a job i feel very lucky to be able to get to do this for a living but uh 
I know some writers that write a lot more than that. There's a writer named Phil Barton I write with a lot, and I, I think he said he wrote 240-some songs last year, which blows my mind. He's writing two to three times a day, every day. Continuing the Canadian connection here, Chad Brownlee has recorded a couple of your songs, Eric, including Hearts yeah. on Fire, and uh, a while back, Where the Party's At, which is a cool tune. Tell me about uh, hooking up with Chad and, and having him record your songs. That connection started with um, one of the co-writers of Where the Party At, uh, Kelly Archer, was a co-writer on that song with me, and she got that song to pre- uh, Chad's producer, Mitch Merritt, and Mitch liked it, and Chad liked it, and they came down and cut it in Nashville. And that was the beginning of our relationship as friends, is just that song. And uh, so then when Chad and Mitch would come into town, I would start writing with them, and I still write with them a lot. But uh, So that song became a single, and uh, it worked pretty well on radio, and Chad started to get to know my songwriting and my music, and I would go up to Vancouver and write with him on occasion. But, uh, and I was playing uh, CMA Fest last year, and Chad was down for CMA Fest also and heard the song Hearts on Fire from my set and uh, really dug the tune and then asked me if he could record that for his new, his new record. And I was like, heck yeah, buddy. So he did, and thank God he singled it, and thank God you guys played it on the radio. And that's going to put some diapers on the baby. <laughs> That's awesome. That was such a big hit. Uh, and, and, of course, in Canada, we love Chad. He does, he's a great entertainer, a great singer-songwriter. He's doing so well. Yeah, and I'm, I love his new EP. And I, I have another song that I wrote with Chad that's on his new EP, too. It's called Out of the Blue. And uh, I just think it's great. He's, he's just a class act. I mean, great dude. Great songwriter, great singer. I, I, he's one of those guys that you know can pretty much do anything that he wants to do. He's a great athlete, all that stuff. But love oh, that yeah. dude. Awesome. Well, let's turn to your song now, Eric. The first one we're going to play here on the show. We talked about it a bit earlier. It's called Pink Flamingos. And let's hear it now on In the Country. Yeah. 
And that is Kansas native Eric Dillon, my guest on this episode of In the Country. That is his current single. It's called Pink Flamingos. You'll find it at iTunes. And, of course, you can visit uh, him at ericdillon.com. Uh, we've mentioned some of the artists that uh, have cut your songs, including Chad Brownlee, Eli Young Band, Justin Moore, uh, Eric Pasley, and we'll talk more specifically about that one. But do you have a dream pitch? Uh, so many great names I just mentioned, but is there someone out there, Eric, that you've got a song that's just perfect for, and you just need to have that right opportunity to pitch it and all the other stuff that has to fall into place to have them cut it? I have, if I could get, I would love to get a Chesney cut or a Tim McGraw cut. Those are two names that I would love to get cuts on. I feel like I've got the songs, and uh, my publisher keeps uh, pitching them over that way, and uh, we've gotten close. But uh, I think it would be really cool to get a Kenny Chesney cut. A Keith Urban cut would be awesome, too. Mm-hmm. And I'm... And who knows who the next Keith Urban is? So I'm I'm just happy to get any cut that I can get. And I'm, I'm honestly just glad that someone likes a song that I wrote enough to put it on their record. That that just makes me really happy because if I'm writing 150 songs a year and there's 400 of us in Nashville writing songs professionally every day, that's a lot of songs. And uh, I'm just happy to make the Happy to make the record, and then uh, if I get a single, that's just that's the cherry on top. It just helps things out. That's a great way of looking at it because, as you say, you're competing with. Uh, so an artist has a choice between the songs they've written themselves, obviously, and then they've got all those outside songs to listen to. So if one of yours makes it to them and they like it and record it, that's uh, that is really amazing, and. We talked about these known names, and then you alluded to it a moment ago about uh, you know unknown artists, new artists. The, the exciting thing about that is, you know, this name that you may not have heard before, none of us have heard before. They record your song; they could be the next Taylor Swift or the next big thing in country music. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at uh, look at an artist like Sam Hunt, nobody knew who he was three years ago, and now. He's one of the highest-grossing artists down here in the States. I think he plays in Canada a lot, too. I think he played in London, Ontario, fairly recently. But uh, you just never know. Um, I just think you have to celebrate every small victory as a songwriter, every little cut that you get, and every hold if somebody likes a song, even if it doesn't make the record. You just you have to stay between the peaks and the valleys and because it's a it's one of those businesses where there's no guarantee you just have to believe in yourself all the time and just keep writing we mentioned eric pasley's name a few moments ago and i think you said you just found out very recently maybe even today that uh angels in this town is going to be his next single yeah that was a great surprise this morning um actually opened up my instagram account and eric had announced it on his Instagram feed that it was going to be the next single, and uh, I, I don't even know what to say. It's it's huge. I, I hope the song does great on radio. It's a really cool tune. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, but it means so much to me to get a single because I haven't had very many singles. I've had cuts, but just to just to be able to turn the radio on and possibly hear a song I wrote, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna celebrate that. And uh, keep working towards the next single. Absolutely. Can you take us back, Eric, to when you first started songwriting and uh, you know how you fell in love with the craft of writing a song? 
Yeah, uh, I wrote songs when probably as early as 13 or 14. Um, they probably weren't that great of songs, but you're learning what you're doing. And um time where I was listening to bands like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and a lot of the Seattle stuff. and But I also listened to uh, older country music. Uh, Jerry Jeff Walker was always somebody that I liked. And, and I was highly influenced by the songs that uh, Jerry Jeff cut that Guy Clark had written. So I started examining Guy Clark's work, and that's that's where I really fell in love with songwriting. And Steve Earle was another artist that I just highly influenced by and just really love what he does. And and I, I, I don't know really how it happened where I became a, a songwriter, where that's where I wanted, wanted, wanted to do uh, for a living. I think it just put itself in a position where what I love to do could possibly be a career for me. And I've decided to go for it. Um, while I didn't have, you know, a mortgage and a lot of big responsibilities in my life. And that turned into, you know, eight years in Nashville, spinning my wheels, trying to figure it out. But, uh, by the time I did have a mortgage, I finally, I finally, uh, had a publishing deal so I could maybe start paying it. <laughs> but man, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been a crazy, it's a crazy ride, but I think any job is, you know, these days you just never know, but uh, I'm just glad I get to do it. You know, uh, you'll never hear me complain about anything other than not being able to write enough songs, but uh, I might complain that I can't think of anything one day, but uh, I think there's a lot up there that would love to do what I'm doing and I'm just thankful for what I've got. That's amazing. Uh, you mentioned Guy Clark's name. He passed away recently. Did you had yeah. a chance, if I'm reading correctly, you had a chance to actually write songs with Guy? Yeah, I for the last about two and a half years, Guy and I got together at least once, sometimes twice a week um, for coffee at his house just to hang out and pick up the guitars a little bit. And we wrote some songs together over the last few and you know, two and a half years and really got to know him. And it was a great it's really the one thing out of Nashville that I I could go back to Kansas if everything else fell out and nothing else happened for me. It's uh, to to be able to get to know your hero and write songs with your hero. Uh, there's nothing better than that. And I was really sad to see him leave, but, uh, you know, he's, he did so much for the songwriting community, Nashville and just the world in general, the songs that he created will live on for generations. And, uh, yeah, he was one of a kind, and, and man, I want to miss him. Let's turn to um, your album that's coming out in the fall, and we have a song from it, the title track that we're going to play in a little bit here on the show called Heart of a Flatland Boy. Uh, five years in the making this album, and that takes us back to 2011, that, to that open mic. Uh, this is produced, the album's produced by you, Randy Montana, and Paul Cassette. Uh, just in general, to start off here, Eric, just tell me how great it feels to have this album almost ready to come out. And I am so excited for everybody to hear it because um, a lot of these songs I've been writing over the last five years, and they they finally came into place to where I had a full body of work, uh, part of a Flatland Boy, the songs that I needed, and I really wanted it to represent where I'm from in Kansas. Uh, I wanted first and foremost to make the the people that I grew up with and the guys that are out there working the blue collar jobs that I sing about, I wanted them to listen to the songs and relate 
and understand that I understood them and didn't. I think a lot of country music has turned into a caricature of what reality is, and I wanted to make sure that what I did with this album was in a, a pretty good representation of where I grew up and what people were doing there and how they feel. And a quote that I read uh, about the album, uh, you didn't want it to be perfect, you just wanted it to be you. So you're going after authenticity. Uh, and tell me about that approach uh, when, when producing it. You were trying to capture those real moments, those uh, the real emotion of a song? Yeah, and we wanted, I really wanted to go into the studio and do it like they did in the 70s and the 60s and the 80s before before everything got set to the grid and Pro Tools and before we decided to auto-tune everything until everyone sounds the same. Um, the goal with our project was to me go in there with my acoustic guitar and a microphone, lay the song down with the band, and do it until we got it to a place where we were happy with it as a full take. So the vocal passes that you hear on the whole record are live passes that we did in the studio with the band, with me playing guitar. And uh, I think it has a really live feel to it. It's definitely not perfect, but I'm not perfect live either. And I I want to give people the <laughs> same experience on the record that they get when they hear me live. And, and I know that's something that uh, I think the imperfections on the record are what I used to love about music. Um, I, I love knowing that uh, Neil Young went for it on that one note. And he maybe missed it a little bit, but the emotion was there. That's kind of... That's kind of mm-hmm. how I grew up. So I uh, I think we captured that, and uh, I can't wait for you to hear the whole record. It's uh, I'm I'm very very proud of what what I did, and very proud of what Randy Montana and Paco Paul Cosette's nicknames Paco, by the way, when he gets big big time famous. Yeah, I liked how they uh, they had a good vision for the project, the same vision I had, and it just felt like I had all the right people and all the right pieces there. So it's uh. I cannot wait to release it. I think we're going to, I think the release date's going to be October 21st for the full record, and it'll be available for pre-order on August 18th, I believe. So, so it'll be up on iTunes, and we'll probably put a couple bonus tracks up in August. If you buy the full record, you'll get a, a couple extra bonus tracks before uh, the record comes out. But uh, yeah, man, just I'm in the game. I'm having fun. I'm writing songs, and playing music i can't complain i got a healthy baby boy here in nashville and a great wife and you know we're just uh i'm just really i feel very lucky to be able to do this for a living and and uh no complaints no complaints at all and as a point of interest how much you love music and specifically towns van zandt you named your son towns yes i did yeah i named him towns um and uh it fits him he's a he he Hopefully he wants to be a doctor instead of a songwriter, but you never know. He, <laughs> he might chase it. <laughs> now we, uh, I was opening for Dwight Yoakam at uh, the Austin City Limits show, and uh, I was I was doing a little opening spot in front of Dwight Yoakam, and uh, my green room at Austin City Limits had a picture of towns on the wall, and my wife was eight months pregnant, and we were on the phone talking about names, and I've loved towns songwriting forever, but I didn't think she would bite on that, but. I said Towns, and it was the only name that we didn't argue on. She just 
I said wow. yes, and that was how it went. And I went out and played my set, flew home, and then we had a name for the baby. Wow, love that story. Uh, let's turn to the song now. Then I want to come back and ask you just about choosing the tracks that went on the album and how tough or easy that was, and then also about your fans, because you've got a lot of loyal uh, and dedicated fans. A lot of them are on Twitter and might be listening via Twitter uh, to, to the interview and through social media. Well, let's hear now from my guest, Eric Dillon. This is the title track of his album to be released in October of 2016. This is Heart of a Flatland Boy on In the Country.
Kansas native Eric Dillon, the heart of a flatland boy. Brand new music from him, the full album to follow in October, a bit later this year. And man, putting together this album, as you said, five years in the making, did you have more than enough songs and then it came time to sort of trimming down the list of what, what went on the album? Yeah, I had... The, the initial list for this record was, I think, around 35 songs. Uh, and I had to keep whittling that down with my producers and just trying to figure out how do we get this down to 10 songs. So hopefully I get to make more records because I've got a lot more. I've got about three albums I'd like to show everybody. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I wanted the album to, to flow. I wanted it to be um, I wanted it to be 10 songs because... 10 songs is around 35 minutes. And I, I think that's a good amount of time for a listener to actually sit down and listen to a full body of work. Uh, that was really important to me that all the songs translated uh, next to each other. And then it kind of took the listener on a journey and uh, let them know a little bit about where I'm from and, and what, how I grew up and what, what my values are and what's important to me and all of that stuff. And, I just, uh, I think we picked the right songs. I lo- I really love what we came up with, and and uh, I can't wait to, to continue making music, too. I really can't wait for you guys to hear the record. We are all looking forward to hearing that, and your many fans who followed you for so long, I know that they can't wait to, to check out the, the full album. And speaking of fans, uh, let's talk about them. You know, the fans are what give the artists that push and that support, and, you know, they're, they're always dying to hear new music, and, and on social media they can let you know how much they enjoy your music. Tell me about uh, the fans that you have, Eric. And I, have, I have the best the best fans that man, they just my Twitter fan account um, just popped up one day and uh, it's a, a woman named Lydia in Boston started it. And uh, Lydia and I have become friends and that fan page supports everything that I do. They keep, they actually know more about what I'm up to than I do most of the time, I think, which is kind of cool. Uh, they actually let me know uh, when I've got cuts that got released, uh, <laughs> before I find out, but, uh, <laughs> I can't thank them enough. And just, just to have people that believe in what I'm doing, you know, that, that gives me the strength to keep doing what I'm doing, knowing that my songs are getting out there and they're, they mean something to people. And maybe that really, that's all I can ask for as an artist is that I'm reaching people and, uh, the numbers keep growing. Um, I, I, it blows me away. I'll, I'll get messages from all over the world uh, from people that are following me that that enjoy what I'm doing and that, uh, that, that believe my music is something that, that is, you know, big enough to, to be a big part of their life. And uh, that means mm-hmm. a lot to me. And all the support, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, <laughs> everything. I just uh, I can't thank them enough. They're awesome. So many great ways to connect, uh, for you to connect with fans and vice versa. And I want to give a shout-out to Linda, who, who, speaking of Twitter, connected us via Twitter. She told me all about you, yeah. and that's what, got the, that's what got the ball rolling. So, hey, Linda, thank you so much. I know she's listening. Linda is awesome. She's like the VP. She's our Canadian, um, she's our Canadian sector of the Eric Dillon fan club, I think. She's, she says, she, I see her tweet something at least every other day, to publications or radio stations or outlets wow. 
just trying to to make them aware of me and she doesn't have to do that that, that that's what it comes down to it's just amazing that she does that she believes in what i'm doing so i love you linda thank you so much keep supporting grassroots <laughs> that is awesome yeah grassroots is, is such a big thing that word of mouth from people like linda and, and the twitter fan club and all that stuff builds and builds and uh it's just wonderful uh at your show so we talked about to the uh, the original songs and all the great songs you write at your shows, Eric, do you throw in some cool covers of uh, artists that you particularly like? I do. Um, I play a lot of stones covers. I love the rolling stones. I, I, I throw it back a couple decades. Most of the time I try to do a little more contemporary version of some older tunes. Uh, I love, I love covering Steve Earl songs and Jerry Jeff Walker songs and lots of Texas stuff. I've, I've, really love the red dirt scene so once in a while i'll cover a randy rogers song or something like that but uh mm-hmm. but yeah i and in uh the guys i play with in the band they usually come up to me with ideas on covers and uh we kind of listen to those on the way to the show and we have lots of downtime in a ford Econoline van driving all over the nation so we we listen to a ton of music <laughs> in the van oh you can only imagine uh what 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 five guys can do in a in a van in a ten hour run? You just you normally just eat beef jerky and argue over what song's going to play <laughs> next on the radio. <laughs> it's it's fun though. That's too funny. Uh, for for somebody out there, Eric, who hasn't yet gone to Nashville, so this is a singer songwriter and hasn't made that trek just to visit uh, as as far as a writer or an artist for you know for a couple of weeks or whatever duration. What, what, how would you pitch that to them and, and tell them the importance of making a trip, at least one, but maybe regular trips to Nashville to, to help out their music career? I, I think that it's good to come to Nashville as a, as a new songwriter to see what it's all about. I, I know a lot of songwriters that don't live in Nashville that, that, that are effective in getting songs pitched and cut. Um, I just think it's fun to see what goes on down here and, and start seeing where where you're pitching songs. That's, you know, look, looking on Music Row and recognizing the names of the buildings that you know, influenced you and the labels and everything else. Um, it's also a great community. Uh, if you, you can know, you can come to Nashville knowing zero people and you can find an open mic any night of the week, and you'll meet 10 people that are in the same exact position you are. And it's that's how I met a lot of the friends I still have today. And I've watched a lot of my friends from the open mic circuit get publishing deals, and now we write together. And, and uh, it's just one of those it's, – it's a town that you have to put your time into. It's not a town that you're going to become an overnight success. I mean, there's few and far between that happens, but most of it happens because you – you show up and you you write the best songs you can do and you keep getting better and you keep making more friends and more connections and that's that's the only advice I can give people is to you must be present to win as a songwriter. That's that's what I always say. You're if you're on the couch then you're not doing it. You need to get out. Get out and be heard. That makes sense. Great advice for uh, a new singer-songwriter out there uh, wanting to to take those first few steps in their career. The journey of a song from uh, from writing it to, to the demo, to whether it's the song plugger or publishing company, to the artist, can you take us through a bit of that? And let's let's focus on the part about the demo to the to the go-between to the artist. 
do you put a lot into your demos of these full, fully produced single sounding songs or are they sometimes a little more bare bone? It varies, but the trend, the trend in the last few years, especially the more pop that country has gotten, um, really the, the full produced demos are the best route to, uh, to show producers and artists what the song is going to sound like when it's complete. But, uh, you know, I've pitched work tapes that are just iPhone recordings with an acoustic guitar before, and um, I don't know if I've got any cuts off of sending those, but I've definitely got holds off of that. Um, I usually go in, if I, if I believe in the song, I'll go in and, and demo it with a full band and get it mixed and make it sound like a record. Because I, I guess the at the end of the day, someone else is demoing another song that's being pitched to that same artist. And anything that can give you some edge over the, the other songs that are pitched, you want to do that. And if, if everyone else is demoing out songs and you're not, and you're, you're just sending in work tapes with guitars and vocals, they're probably not going to put the time into that song as they would a full produced demo. But there are artists though, that love, that love work tapes. They, that, I, uh, Mike Eli from Eli Young Band loves to get to get uh, guitar vocal work tapes that I've just recorded on my iPhone. Um, that it just varies with every artist, but the process of the from song to to getting a cut to being on a record it it, man, it can last. And there there's songs that were written ten, fifteen, twenty years ago that are now just showing up on records. So. That time frame wow. is, you know, varies a lot. For me, mm-hmm. uh, my experience, the Kip Moore song "Comeback Kid," we wrote that. I think, I think we wrote that about, I'm thinking three, four years ago, and he cut it two months after we wrote it, and then the record didn't come out for another year and a half from the day that he cut it. So, it, it was about a two-year time frame from the time that I wrote the song to the time where it was Eric Basley song angels in this town will be on his new record. We wrote that. Uh, I think we wrote that in 2013, if I remember right, either that or early 2014. But uh, yeah, three years is kind of the, that's kind of my norm, two to three years of waiting and wondering if the song I wrote is going to make the record. <laughs> so, but uh, it's kind of fun, you know. It's there's nothing that you can do about it after you write the song. And so, right. as a song as a songwriter, I have control over what I do in that writing room on that specific day and what we create. And the rest of it, you just try not to think about it too much because it'll it'll drive you insane. You celebrate the good things that happen when they happen, and you celebrate writing a good song. And uh, that's the that's really all that matters to me. I, I I would love to I would love to get more singles. I would love to get more cuts. But I think the same feeling is I get the same feeling when I write a good song in the room. When you look at the writers in the room and go, "Wow, this is this is something we should really be proud of." So that's kind of where I'm at, and that that helps me stay level-headed and not get too excited or too down mm-hmm. with the business. I just focus on writing a good song. And that's, uh, that's all we can do as songwriters. You just can't think about the rest of it. 
That's I love the way you uh, summarize that. That's awesome to hear, Eric. And you mentioned, um, of course, we talked with the Canadian artists that you're connected to, and you've actually been to Canada. Well, before we came on the air, you were telling me uh, you've been at uh, was it the Spencerville Fair? Yeah, I played the Spencerville Stampede. Um, thanks to my buddies uh, at Soundcheck. Corey Kelly is a really good buddy of mine. That's uh, they have a great uh, music website up out of Ontario. And uh, oh, yeah. it's they cover all of Canada. I mean, they're, they're like they're they're big time. Corey's pretty big time, but uh, he called me up and uh, we became friends. Actually, one of I think Linda from Twitter probably got me and Corey in touch uh, last year, <laughs> and I, I did an interview with him on the Soundcheck website, and we became buddies. And he asked me to come up and play that show, and I played in Arm Prior, and he took me all around. Got to see Kingston. Went to uh, Toronto with him, and I think he lives in a little town called Orangeville. Does that, does that sound like a town? Yep, a, that is know. a town, yep. Yeah. Small town, yep, but, nice. Uh, yeah, but I loved it. I plan on getting back up there, too. I I, uh, I really I really enjoyed it, and I love your summer times. I maybe not come up in the winter too often, but I'll come up <laughs> yeah. in the summertime a lot. Oh, well, but nah, I'll, I'll come up whenever you guys want me to play. That'd be awesome because, uh, as you said, you're connected to all those Canadians. Your music's awesome. We'd love to have you here at uh, many any number of shows that uh, we do. Again, throughout the summer, we'll, we'll, we'll spare you the wintertime. We totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's probably it's more it, – I thought Kansas was rough, but, but uh, I, I stand corrected after after seeing some, uh, some photos from Canada from my buddies up there. But the – the Rivertown Saints guys are really good about documenting their uh, winter adventures in Ontario. <laughs> That's awesome. They're an amazing band. They're doing so well right now. Their new single, Cherry Bomb, is just climbing the charts like crazy. It's awesome. Yeah, good guys, too. Bottom line, they're just good guys. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show, Eric, to play uh, your current single, of course, Pink Flamingos, which we want all our listeners to call their local country station and request. Then we got, of course, to the chance to hear Heart of a Flatland Boy, the title track of your album that's going to be released uh, later this year in October. People can follow you on your social media and at ericdillon.com. And it's just been great, great chance to chat about songwriting and your music career. Man, I've, I've enjoyed it so much. It's, uh, it's nice to be able to talk about what, uh, what we do down here and, and what actually happens in the writing room and you know, talk about the new record. And thanks for all the support on the new record, too. And Thanks for playing my tunes. Absolutely. You bet, Eric. And I look forward to uh, the release of the album, hearing more of it, and having it back at that point to uh, to go over some more of the tracks. Uh, once again, thanks uh, for being here, and we'll see you online. All right, man. Anytime. Thank you so much. My guest has been Kansas native country artist Eric Dillon. I'm Dave Woods, and that'll wrap up this edition of In the Country.